We are the Society for Healthcare Innovation. This is our interview series. As you can see, I have grown a mustache because I'm running out of ways to stay sane in quarantine. Today, we have Steven Danziger, the CEO of Start Again, which is a mindfulness-based, trauma-focused, mental health and addiction treatment firm. Steven, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Corey. Glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about Start Again? So Start Again has been around for a number of years in a few different forms, but where we've landed is um, I have a protocol for mental health agency and addiction treatment called the META Protocol. Uh, which stands for Mindfulness and EMDR Treatment Template for Agencies. It was originally for addictions. Uh, and what that is, is utilizing mindfulness-based uh, practices, uh, Buddhist psychology, and the eight-phase protocol and the adaptive information processing model of EMDR therapy, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing, uh, in order to provide a template and a runway uh, and uh, actually a, a landing runway too for uh, mental health and addiction treatment along all the points of the continuum of care. And so what that includes is I'm also a practicing psychotherapist and I'm an EMDR therapy trainer. I've trained over 500 clinicians so far here in mostly in the Southern California area where I am, uh, but also across the country. And um, through those EMDR therapy trainings, uh, I have been put in touch with a lot of people who work at agencies and want to not only deliver EMDR therapy, but be able to train the rest of the staff, uh, line staff and clinical staff and administrator, you know, C-suite staff, in how to support the effort of providing this kind of treatment. Thank you for sharing that. So given your, uh, the amount of time you've spent in the mental health and addiction space, this will come as no surprise to any of our listeners. We are in the midst of a pandemic, which is certainly taking its toll on the mental health, not only of providers, but of uh, the rest of us who are um, watching this unfold. Um, what sorts of trends are you seeing? Are we prepared as a country to deal with this? What, what's coming for us in the coming weeks and months? Oh, I, actually, I was just uh, giving a talk earlier this afternoon, mostly about the aspect of are we ready as clinicians and people working in the, those of us who are working in the mental health field, are we preparing ourselves, first of all, for what's going on right now, which is how am I taking care of myself? Um, and a lot of folks uh, with good reason are very hyper-focused on what is happening now. And what I found is uh, it's very hard to provide services and or to support uh, our first responders and the people on the front lines as much as we would like to because they're just too busy being on the front lines. And so uh, the encouragement and the help that we can offer is the support and being available for them. But what I'm preparing for as someone in the mental health world is what I see as a tsunami of post-traumatic stress disorder and other associated and unassociated difficulties that people are going to have because of what they witnessed or experienced within this pandemic period, uh, but also the economic changes uh, and uh, the, uh, the isms that have arisen, you know, the racism and, and other aspects of the way people are responding uh, to their fears and to, to what they would like to see as being uh, solutions. 
how is Start Again shifting its model to address this new world that we have come to inhabit? Yes. Um, uh, like everyone else, you know, it's either a, uh, you can call it a pivot or you can call it just moving with the times. So in my arena, uh, EMDR therapy has never been one of the more popular therapies, let's say in the telehealth world. And a lot of that had good reason. It's a trauma focused therapy and a lot of clinicians and, and other stakeholders uh, felt that, you know, oh my gosh, you know, what if I'm, I'm not in the room with that person and they're going through their trauma reprocessing and what if it goes, you know, becomes difficult? And the answer to that question is actually uh, all we've needed to do, and I've done a couple of webinars on this and tried to support people, is that with anything with telehealth, you need to do certain extra uh, aspects of uh, providing for safety, of of providing for internal and external resources that allow the person to be able to hold themselves in between sessions, things like that. Actually, a, a, a good segue for me to give you a, a challenge. Sure. Obviously, these sorts of therapies take years of training and, and much practice under supervision to perfect. Many of the folks watching this are either clinicians themselves or are in close contact with those who are really going through difficult times as a result of, of this pandemic. Are there any quick pieces of advice that you can give to, to, to those watching this uh, uh, that could help us in our efforts to help those close to us who may be going through difficult times? Percent. So um, just to provide a context for the question uh, from the, everything that I've already talked about is that, you know, a lot of people when they hear like trauma work, they think of, you know, the person crying hysterically and moving through and having this great catharsis. So that's in EMDR terms, in the eight phase protocol, that's phases three through six. So if that was all of trauma work, it would be a four phase protocol, right? And so the first two phases are about building rapport and taking history and also developing and enacting internal and external resources, right? So that's where my, my philosophy around building this protocol came from. I looked at rehabs and agencies. I'm like, you're all already doing phases one and two of EMDR therapy. So if you just call it that, then it can feed into the rest of the protocol. And then phases seven and eight are closure. So like when we're doing trauma work with somebody, we don't reprocess all the way to the end of the session and then say, okay, good luck out there. You know, it's like the last 10 minutes is more resource, right? And what can, that can look like a lot of different things. And I'll address that in a second. And then phase eight is about treatment planning and all the work that I do as a clinician and that the client does in between sessions when they're out being a free range chicken in the world and, you know, before they come back. And then when they come back, the end of phase eight is, hey, how are you doing? You know, like, where are we at now? Right. So it's a very treatment plan based therapy and it provides a structure. So as for people, you know, either who are not clinical or even not this type of clinician or loved ones who are trying to help loved ones. So it's all about resourcing. And the old the old idea about resourcing was uh, here is a technique and we're going to resource you. Now our philosophy is resources are anything and everything that is healthy and or adaptive for you, for this particular client. So name a thing, right? Music, dance, art, fellowship, 
you know, 12 step program, smart recovery, you know, like any and all resources going for a walk in nature, you know, all of these things are therapeutic. And then there's the one that you're kind of bringing up, which is, you know, relational, right? Is, is people loving each other and, and providing that care. So I, I was making a joke about kissing my kid's knee and filling it with bacteria, but at the same time, you know, that is care, right? You know, like the, the care that comes with, um, you know, helping someone on the spot. And so too, you also bring up a very important point is that the more care that a person gets like Johnny on the spot, like in the midst of the trauma per se, uh, you know, if it is in fact a trauma, um, uh, the more care that they get, the higher the percentage possibility that they will not develop symptoms later on, right? In other words, the care and the love and the therapeutic engagement, um, and I mean that in the broadest sense, um, that happens on the spot is, is important and impactful. So whole, having a, holding a space for people, being a sounding board for people, uh, engaging someone in a dance party with people, you know, like all of these are a part of the solution. Um, and, you know, and, and uh, using technologies, you know, and when I say technologies, I mean, you know, mindfulness or yoga or certain kinds of exercise, you know, whatever the modality is or technology, like there's a lot of supportive technology out there. Um, in order to more deeply ground and resource the person. Thank you. Helpful. So we are coming up on the end of our time. Is there uh, any final thought that you'd like to leave viewers with? You know, I said a lot before about you know, not wanting to go into a whole silver lining thing. Um, what, what I'm hoping is that I feel like the spirit of innovation, since that's our society and that's what we're trying to, you know, really help people to, to gear towards, is um, I am doing everything I can to lean into this reality. And by leaning into the reality and then looking around and seeing who are my resources, what are my resources, how can I help myself to take care of myself so I don't burn out and then become not helpful anymore, while also looking towards any and every opportunity that I have, how can I help? And you know, for some of us, we have job descriptions that it's, it's, we, we know what to do, we have to we go to work. And then others of us, it may not be as obvious, right? And so figuring out what it looks like for me and any small, action you know towards any one person is going to make an impact because we're all suffering here you know it's it's uh, one of the big things in the trauma world those of us who work in the trauma world we're like oh my goodness you know we're being traumatized when we wake up in the morning <laughs> you know like wake up it's like oh pandemic right and then we have we go to work and work with people on their traumas which are being exacerbated by the pandemic and then we're in the pandemic and so it's very intense so so my 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 last words or whatever whatever it is that helps you to help yourself to to sustain that will make it so that we're the most helpful to others in this in this time and will allow us to keep our cognitive part of our brain engaged 
so we can continue to innovate and 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 just help help the world a little more. Hang out in the neocortex and stay away from that amygdala. <laughs> yeah, man, that amygdala knows what it knows, but it's it's a little overactive right now. Yes. Yeah? Totally agree. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. And thank you for your work in, in helping those who, who need help. Um, to you and those like you, we are uh, extremely grateful, all of those, all those of us who, do not, who are not clinicians, um, for all the help you are giving us to overcome uh, the hardships that are inherent in a pandemic. So thank you. Thank you, Corey. Always good to see you. Great to see you as well. We are the Society for Healthcare Innovation, wishing you good night.